We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Monday afternoon against the Orlando Magic and MLK Day matinee for the Knicks. will take on a Magic team that comes in at 21-18. and 18. They've been struggling to start 2024. They're extremely banged up and hurt by injuries. Joe Ingles is still out. Wendell Carter is still out. And Franz Wagner is the big one since the last time the Knicks played the Magic. My goodness, this team is banged up with injuries. And you're going to hear more about what's happened to this team since the start of 2024 from another fine fine gentleman from the Sixth Man Show. And this is the first time I'll be talking to someone from the Sixth Man Show, uh, which is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, since the Magic decided that they were going to break the ice and uh, finally retire somebody's number. Shaquille O'Neal's number will be retired on February 13th. It's actually the day before the Magic play the Knicks on Valentine's Day this year. So um, Jonathan Osborne, who's the host of the Sixth Man Show, I guess their main show, is going to join me in just a little bit. Some thoughts about the Magic. They are 24th in offensive rating this year. And to give you some context, you know the six teams underneath them from 25 to 30? Well, the Magic are 24th. They average 112 points, 112.2 points per 100 possessions. The 16 teams underneath them, the 7 and 31 Wizards, the 3 and 36 Detroit Pistons, the 7 and 31 San Antonio Spurs, the 8 and 29 Charlotte Hornets, the 14 and 25 Memphis Grizzlies, a deceiving 14 and 25 because Jock came back and played like six games. Uh, and then the Portland Trailblazers, who are 10 and 29. And my God, uh, did they look awful last week? Uh, we're talking about a 38 point loss to the Knicks. The next night, they lost by 62 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So in two games, they lost by 100 points. That is a real thing. Those are the only teams that the Magic have a better offense than, and they're missing one of their best offensive players. So this new Knicks defense should be able to take care of business. I will say Jalen Brunson is questionable for this game. Um, the Magic have a top five defense. that It's fifth in defensive rating. Um, this struggle that the Magic have been off to to start 2024, I can't tell if this is a bit of a coming back down to earth for them or if this is just a rough patch and they'll potentially come in here a bit hungry. This is a well-coached team that that fights hard. It's, it's Again, we talked about this the last time we played the Magic. This reminds me so much of the We Here season where you may not, you may not get 130 points out of this team ever, but you're not going to be able to score 110 often. They're, they're going to be able to stay in games because they don't get blown out. They don't give up a ton of points. So we'll see what happens against a team that the Knicks are, my goodness, the, the middle of the Eastern Conference in this race for like the third, fourth, or fifth seed going on right now. So here's just where the Magic stand. They're currently eighth at 21 and 18. And then two games better than them are three teams tied at 23 and 16. The Knicks, the Heat, and the Pacers. Then 
Still technically seven games over 500, but because of like win percentage, it's different. But the Cleveland Cavaliers are 22 and 15. And then all four of these teams are two games behind the Philadelphia 76ers at 24 and 13 for the three seed. We have a, a fun little playoff race that we're going to get to watch over the next couple of months. Now, the Knicks schedule, for those who are unaware, over the next 14 games, 12 of them are at Madison Square Garden. The two that aren't are in Brooklyn, so they don't even have to leave the, the city. Uh, and then it's Washington, so they just go down the turnpike to the nation's capital to play one of the worst teams in the NBA. So hopefully the Knicks take care of business. It can really fatten up on a, a very friendly portion of their schedule. And it starts with this game against the Orlando Magic, and we'll see what happens. Now let's hear more about what's going on with the Magic with my conversation with Jonathan Osborne of the Sixth Man Show. Enjoy! bit of a historic pregame pod because this will be the first time that I talk to someone that is an Orlando Magic fan after they finally decided to retire somebody's number that played for the franchise. So from the sixth man show, please welcome Jonathan Osborne. Jonathan, how you doing? GMAC, what is going on, my man? Um, love your guys show. Love everything that you guys do. Good to be back. And yeah, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Shaq and, and the, the jersey being retired, but I was listening to a, another uh, Magic pod, the, the pod that the Orlando, Mag the Orlando Magic actually put out, the, the pod squad. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about now there are only two franchises left that haven't retired a jersey, the LA Clippers and the Raptors. And I'm, if I'm one of those franchises, I'm like, well, we have to get it done because we can't be the last team to do it. And I'm just glad that we won't be the last to do it officially. So there you go. There you go. And I'll, I'll ask you, we'll save that the, the, the number retirement talk for the end because there's a, an interesting basketball team to talk about. But um, I the first thing I thought of when I saw the, the thing come up on TNT and obviously the thing go on social was like, I cannot wait to talk to one of them about this when it happens. So we'll save that for cool. the end. Uh, the Magic, I mean, the bit of an interesting time when, for the Knicks the last time they played the Magic because it was the last time that Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett played for the Knicks was their game against the Magic. And since then, both teams have somewhat gone in an opposite direction. Uh, I will actually plug your pod, or at least one of your social media breakouts, where you talked about how, I forget what year it was, that the Magic were 19 and 13 at the, the New Year's deadline or the New Year's mark. And then they went into a bit of a tailspin and how nervous Magic fans may be that that could happen, especially looking at the schedule and how much more difficult it gets. Well, to start 2024, they're two and five. Now, again, the schedule has been brutal. They've been on this this road trip and, you know, they, they actually do have an impressive win in Denver if in the midst of all of the, the struggles lately. But to the Knicks fan that hasn't been paying too much attention to the Magic over the, the course of this season, oh, specifically over the course of this this month, because we've been adjusting to life after OG Ananobi. Um, what is the biggest reason for this two and five stretch to start 2024? Honestly, it's been health. So you talked about the the road trip a couple of weeks ago. So to start the year, uh, we're in Golden State. We're in Sacramento. First five minutes of that game in Sacramento on January third, Franz Wagner rolls his ankle pretty badly. leads leaves the game. He's been out since you know the last you know eight or nine games, whatever that's been. Uh, we missed Joe Ingles, who's been you know a big part of the bench unit for I think he missed you know fourteen or fifteen games somewhere along there. Markel Fultz has finally come back. We're reintegrating him back into the lineup. We've been missing Jonathan Isaac on that West Coast road trip. The team got hit with some kind of illness. Hmm. Guys have just been in and out of the lineup. A ton of guys are, are playing through it. Some guys have been so sick they haven't been able to play through it. So obviously I'm not naive to the fact that you know, you're playing better teams. It's going to be harder to come by wins anyways. But the, the illness and the injuries have just been running rampant. Uh, through this roster the last couple of weeks. So that that then leads to a, a follow-up question about who's going to play on Monday. Now, this is three games in four, four not even four nights because of, because of the matinee aspect. Like That's the, the biggest takeaway I had from looking at their most recent games in Miami on Friday and then in OKC on Saturday to then turn around and come to New York in the middle of the day on Monday. And I, I have no idea what how much the weather going on in the Midwest might affect their travel schedule. Obviously, it's last I checked, I looked out my window, there were flurries here in Queens. But um the the rigidity of the schedule being what it is, like if you want to I mean to the Knicks fan that isn't familiar with the injury report of the magic right now, who do you think 
is of the questionable players that might not play who might we not see on Monday. Well, Joe Ingles and, and Markel. So it, it was basically ruled, you know, ahead of those guys coming back that they're not going to be playing in back to backs right away. So because of the back to back that we had Friday in Miami and then Saturday in OKC, uh, Joe Ingles, Markel Fultz, both of those guys missed the last game. Uh, J.I., uh, this was his first game back Saturday. So he's officially back in the lineup. And then guys that have been missing time with illness like Anthony Black, Gogo Batadze, Jalen Suggs, all those guys got hit with it pretty hard. They're pretty much over it for the most part. Uh, the questionables, I think, uh, Gary Harris, Franz, Wendell Carter Jr., the official injury report, as I looked about 20 minutes before we started recording here, hasn't come out just yet. I would love nothing more than for Franz Wagner to be back uh, Monday against the Knicks. We call that guy Wolverine because he is from Michigan, obviously. But he just tends to heal so fast and comes back, you know, from from things like this pretty quickly. So we'll just have to wait and see. If I had to bet, I would say that we'll probably be without you know Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr. But I would love to be surprised, you know, that that matinee against the Knicks and get some guys back. So, so we'll see. You know, I, I mean, the Knicks have been dealing with. I mean, the, they've actually kind of survived the the life after Mitchell Robinson minutes. But it's honestly because Isaiah Hartenstein's just been a bit of a revelation since coming into the starting five what they've had to somewhat navigate is since the trade that they made the day before new year's uh, for OG and is the backup point guard minutes and the backup center minutes because they, they were kind of navigating it as is with Jericho Sims and then potentially now it's precious Achua. And um, that, I mean, Deuce McBride's been fine as a backup point guard, but really is more of a wing. So I don't know if he has been fine. He's been fine in his performances since he's, uh, join the rotation. Uh, but the point is, um, I am, look, I'm impressed by the magic. And when they, the Knicks went on to play them uh, on that Friday night, they're just, they're just, they're a pain to play. They're a pain to try and score against. We've been, I mean, going into this season, we were wondering who were the mainstays on that team. And obviously last year talking to you and the other guys from, from the show, just like, there was that that five and twenty start, and then they were just like an above five hundred team the rest of the year, and that has clearly carried over even then some um, going into this year. So I I don't expect this to be even with them being banged up. I think I speak for a lot of Knicks fans that we have the respect and the nervousness that is appropriate for a team uh, that I think the Magic have earned so far this season. However, I need to clarify something for me, or, or really just like. Tell me what's going on. How do I make sense of this? Because as as I've gotten older, I've become more data driven, and looking at some of the numbers, they they usually match the eye test. So in the Magic games that I've watched, Paolo's clearly the best player on the team, and the offense runs through him. I think he's an all star and has taken a leap this year. I look at his efficiency numbers; they're not great, whether it be effective field goal percentage or points per shot attempt. I look at the on off, and they're just like flat out better when he's off the court. So what's what's missing here that that they're the the the, the numbers as far as the efficiency isn't great, the on off isn't great, but my brain is still saying like he's been he's been better this year. He has actually gotten gotten better and improved this year. Yeah, it definitely is a, a bit of a mystery. What I would say is one the the lack of a functional point guard in that starting lineup for most of the season has definitely had an impact on Paolo. Um him starting the year last year, you know, really the in a similar fashion without Markel Fultz, we sort of knew ahead of time that he was going to be out. And then this year, I think it was like three and a half, four games before Markel went out of the lineup. And he's just been sort of thrust into like he is effectively our point guard. Like he brings the ball up, facilitates the offense, everything goes through him. And I think although he has been better this year, he's still learning in that regard. Like he still has a lot of issues with teams just collapsing. Like he gets into the paint. And he's seeing two or three guys on a nightly basis every single time that he gets a, a paint touch. And guys are, are learning that you can swipe down on him and he's a little bit you know, prone to turnovers in that area. So he's definitely improving there. Uh, a big emphasis for him going into this season was, uh, I need to learn how to you know, play make a bit more for my teammates. So take advantage of some of these uh, you know, matchup advantages that I'm being given by these you know, doubles and, and, and triple teams. And he's trying to sometimes make the the more difficult play, um, you know, making a pass out to the corner or a skip pass to the other side 
instead of like, hey, like you could probably just draw a foul here or or make a more simple pass to your big in the the dunker spot there, whatever the case may be. I think another part of that is because the bench unit just has been so good. Like he's coming off of the floor and the bench unit's coming in and Cole Anthony, Joe Ingles, uh, you know, Mo Wagner, Franz Wagner plays a lot with that second uh, lineup as well. So I think there's there's a, a bit on both sides there. He could be a, a bit better and is improving on a nightly basis. He's learning how to deal with the, the uh, amount of attention that defenses are giving him. And the the bench unit just has been really good. So uh, I think it's it's a mixture of both. Like he could be better, but the bench unit has been so good that it's going to make those on-off numbers look a bit worse, I think. Yeah, when Kevin was here last for that Friday night game to preview that, I likened this year's Magic team to the Knicks from three years ago when they were the four seed and it was like Julius Randle with the starters. It was like the, the offense runs to Julius Randle and everything is very heliocentric and we play off him. Now, Randle shot better that year, but the effective field goal percentage was actually pretty close to what Paolo is now. And then the Knicks had this bench unit with Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin and um, Nerlens Noel and, um, and Alec Burks. Like, that was how they were building leads. It was like the starters play even and then the bench just just blitzes teams and I I I got I had a feeling that based on the numbers you were going to say that the bench is how the magic have been really building up these leads now what's also similar is that the offense for both that team that Knicks team in 2021 and the magic this year has not been the strength of the team it's been the defense that's really been what you're you're most worried about with uh with the magic and you know going into this year I mean, I'm curious what your expectations were and, you know, how how they've potentially changed, like going into the final, really the second half of this year. Like, what is what is your expectations, knowing what the profile of this team is where they don't have the greatest offense and do have a pretty great defense still? Yeah, that was really the expectation coming into the season that like if the Magic can, because for so long they've been bottom 10 in offensive efficiency for the better part of the last decade. But you knew that the defensive personnel was was going to be there with Jalen Suggs, with Jonathan Isaac, you know, hopefully finally fully healthy. And then just a bunch of other guys that we consider plus defenders, you know, like uh, Markel Fultz and, and, and like Paolo even. You know, a lot of people thought he was just going to be a cone defensively coming out of Duke. And that really hasn't been the case at all. He's he's been really solid on that end. And then Wendell Carter, you know, Franz Wagner, just sort of up and down the roster. You knew that if this team was going to be good, they were going to have to be good consistently on the defensive end. Looking at the personnel and sort of the way that we finished last year, I thought there's no reason that this team, like the floor should be a top 10 defensive unit. And we've been hanging around, you know, three, four, five uh, throughout the, the last couple of weeks here and, and really throughout the season. And I said, this team, like, like the ceiling, could, this team could be the best defensive team in the entire league. And to start the year, they were, and there's some other you know, reasons that they've fallen off a little bit. But you know, top five defensive team tells you historically you're going to be in the postseason. So that's really where I had us, whether that was going to be the play-in or maybe you make the seventh, eighth seed. Looking at the way that we finished last year and the way that we had started the year and you still end up at 34 wins. It's like if you just can get off to a better start than five and 20, you should be in a good position to you know get you know 40 plus wins so i had us about 42 43 wins to start the year the winning streak changed that a little bit i think when you're winning nine games in a row you think you're never going to lose another game you can beat anybody oh my gosh we're going to win 60 plus games this year of course not that was never uh you know realistic but the emotions were flying high uh, during that win streak for sure uh, but yeah expectations have definitely shifted a bit I think our goal now is to just stay out of the plan. You know, if we can finish five, six, seven, or, or sorry, five or six, um, and stay away from you know seven, eight, nine, ten in the East, I think Magic fans would be pretty happy with that. As exciting as it would be to you know have a a, a winner go home game in a in a plan, maybe even at home, I think that's what success should look like for the Magic this year. Just avoiding the plan and, and being able to get into the playoffs comfortably. So then in this glut that obviously Knicks fans are paying attention to uh, between the, I'm going to include the Sixers in this, between the three seed and the eighth seed, who scares you the most? I should just give everybody an update as we're recording this uh, around 2.15 on Sunday. So any of the NBA games that are scheduled for today have not happened yet. But as it currently stands, the uh, 
Sixers are the three seed at 24 and 13. The Pacers are a game and a half back for fourth. The Cavs are two games back. Also tied with the Knicks with two games back uh, for fifth and sixth. The Heat are seventh. The Magic are eighth. And then uh, three games behind the Magic are the Chicago Bulls, four in the loss column. So of those teams, who scares you the most as far as your competition to be out of the plan? To be out of the plant, like if we're talking just like overall, like it would be the the 76ers. They kicked our butts a couple of weeks ago without Joel Embiid. Mm. Uh, obviously, you guys would be in the conversation as well. I've been playing so well since the, the the trade happened with OG. Who am I most afraid of? Like in that sort of like six to ten range, Brooklyn has really beat us up quite a few times this year. Really, the time that oh. we played them, we played them twice. They smoked us both times. Uh, they were actually the team that put an end to our, our win streak earlier in the season. So if we were to have to play Brooklyn in a play, and I think most Magic fans would probably be pretty nervous. Uh, and then the in-state rival, the Miami Heat, we just lost to them again on Friday. Anytime that there's a, a Magic home game, you know, usually there's a lot of Heat fans there as, as well. Um, but overall, you know, 76ers and the Knicks, uh, beyond that, you know, we've played well against Indiana and, and Cleveland for the most part this year. And then just old demons with the heat and the the Nets have been kicking our butts uh, so far to to start the year here. That surprises me about Brooklyn. And maybe this is just like big brother not paying attention to what little brother's <laughs> been doing. But my goodness, when the Knicks have played them, well, they played them once and they looked like a team kind of going nowhere. And like they're the 10th seed now. And who right. knows if they're going to turn things around. But um I, they feel like a, there was a, a portion of the season where I thought they quit on their coach and I was wondering if this was going to lead to a firing and now they just they look like a team that needs to make a move um, but that's that's interesting that Brooklyn uh, strikes for whatever here. reason they're they're getting up when they play the Magic they like Royce O'Neal especially like those guys just have not been able to miss like I, I'm pretty sure they've pretty close to beaten us by 20 plus points in, in both of the games that we've played them this season interesting well yeah. um for your sake and for my amusement, I hope the the Brooklyn Nets don't make the play in and we don't have to worry about them come playoff time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you mentioned that that's like those are the teams you're afraid of. Those are your expectations. As it currently stands, what does a disappointing end to the season look like? Is it like even if they make the play in, is that and they win, is that still a disappointment or like would just getting into the dance be enough for this? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Going back to September, early October, if you told me that, hey, the Magic make the play in and they make the playoffs, I would have taken that 100% of the time. I'll be slightly disappointed if we end up in the play in. Uh, but if we end up making it to the postseason, of course, that's going to be a successful season for us. A lot of people had the magic, you know, winning 36, 37 games. So, you know, making the plan, winning, a, you know, a, a 7, 8, 9, 10 matchup and then, you know, moving on uh, would would be awesome. I, I'd be really, really happy with that. Now, if you fall all the way to 9, 10, you end up losing in the first play in game. I think at this point, most magic fans would be pretty disappointed. But like I said, you told us you know, three or four months ago that you know, the first couple of weeks into to January, we'd be sitting here at 21 and 18. And I'd be talking to, to, to you about, hey, would it be bad if the Magic made the play in? No, we would definitely all take that. Yeah, especially for as young a team as they are. And with Paolo being your best player in his second season, I think that's honestly where I've settled on how much the play in matters because... 
Like the Lakers are 11th right now. And in the past, you'd be like, oh my gosh, they're 11th. That's awful. But we've reframed it to they're a game out of the play. And it's like, no, they're 11th. That's bad. And I, I just, for a while, I've tried to to calculate how much the play-in matters. And the Heat honestly helped last year. Maybe the Lakers too, in being like a play-in team can make the finals. Now that's a very specific play-in team. But the point is, like this very much has been a, dis- a deciding who finishes seventh and eighth and then gets bounced in the first round. So I, I understand the hesitation for looking at the play in as an accomplishment. But like last year, I thought it mattered that OKC made the play in won a game and got that experience. Two years ago, I thought it mattered that New Orleans made the play in won twice. And then as a 37 win, um, 36 win team as an eighth seed, it like, took the Suns to, to six, seven games. And like that, that I think is the experience that matters for a young team like Orlando. However, I can understand if expectations have changed and a move potentially wants to be made. So um, amongst the Magic fan base, is there a move that Magic fans want more than others? Is there a player specifically that you or the fan base is targeting? Is like, you know what? If only we could add blank, we could maybe elevate the ceiling a little better. Yeah, I thought this was pretty like overwhelmingly like the majority was was on board with this move until like this last week. It seems like there's been a lot more like divisiveness on, on this guy. Mm-hmm. Magic fans seem to be in, in two camps. Either, hey, we have our stars. Let's add like a, a complimentary piece to help those guys really accentuate what they do well. And then the other camp is like, oh, well, why are we going to make a move if it's not to add another star you know, to, to the roster that we already have? I and a lot of other Magic fans are in the camp of like, we have Paolo, we have Franz, which funny enough, I remember listening to the the episode that you did with Kevin uh, leading up to, to the last game. And he said, all season, Paolo and Franz haven't had a single game where they both play well. And then the, the next game, those guys combined for literally like the next day points. was the day exactly. that they, <laughs> they so we, well. we, we found that to be pretty funny. Like we were in the group chat, like yeah. Kevin, you just told Andrew that they never play well together and here they are. I'm glad one of us found it funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I understand why, why you would, wouldn't find that funny for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But really where we're at is like, Hey, if we can build around these two guys who are, are hopefully going to be the pillars of the franchise moving forward and we can help give those guys a little bit more space to operate and maybe take some playmaking responsibilities from them, you know, a, a few possessions a game here. That's what the magic should be trying to do. So, a name that uh, popped up in in trade rumors, you know, now for the last couple of you know months, it seems, has been Tyus Jones from the Washington Wizards, a guy who for the last several years has led the league in assist to turnover ratio. This year, he shoot, I believe, forty two percent from behind the arc. A guy who can help facilitate the offense, who isn't going to turn the ball over, which has been a big problem for the Magic this year, and can give you spacing for Franz and Paolo to operate and at times, you know, facilitate and, and run the offense himself. I feel like that guy would be a perfect fit. Can he be a little bit of a defensive liability given his size? He can, but I still think he competes on that end. And I think being in the the backcourt with Jalen Suggs and playing alongside guys like Franz and Paolo who are solid defenders, maybe you can hide him to a certain extent. So a lot of Magic fans are are hungry to see if we can you know make a move for for Tyus Jones potentially at the the trade deadline. Now the Magic aren't you know big in-season move makers typically. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make that move. But if I had to make a list of, you know, my wish list for this trade deadline, that would be at uh, number one for me. So when the Knicks played the Wizards last week and I talked to somebody that um, covers the, the the Wizards, Matt Moderno of the Believe in Wizards podcast, um, I asked him about Tyus Jones because the Knicks are in a, the market for a backup point guard. The price sounded a bit steep and not for nothing, the Knicks, because of this looming trade for a superstar they apparently have to eventually make, um, they're not in the interest of... Uh, trying to get someone that is expiring salary. So with those hesitations that I might potentially have from a Knicks perspective, do, do you have any of those hesitations that like this might only be a rental and as a result, the you may have to outbid somebody because there are a lot of teams in the market for a backup point guard? Yeah, I think there's always that concern. Uh, you know, one thing that I've learned in, in covering the league is that even though you're technically not allowed to have contract negotiations going on during this, you know, the season with certain players, there's always back channels that you know you yes, can there are. <laughs> uh, have those conversations anyway. So, 
for me, I would love if there was some kind of handshake agreement, like, hey, Tyus, if we're going to trade for you, you know, we'd like to, you know, extend, you know, uh, resign you in the the off season. Or, but if that's not the case, really, the the type of move that I would be looking to to make with Washington would be for either a Markel Fultz, who is going to be, uh, you know, uh, expiring heading into this off season, who's from that area, you know, grew up watching, you know, mm-hmm. watching the Wizards local. Uh, a guy like Gary Harris, who uh, with the play of Caleb Houston, the guy that we drafted in the second round last year after Paolo, he's been playing really, really well the last couple of weeks, shooting the ball really well. You may want to free up minutes for a guy like that. So if you're going to be moving some kind of expiring deal anyways, uh, the hope is like get Tyus in the door, show him what we're building here, kind of show him the vision. You have a few months for him to sort of buy into that. And then maybe you'll have a leg up in negotiations as it you know pertains to other teams around the league heading into the summer. So some kind of like expiring deal to make the money work. Um, you know, maybe a, another young player that maybe the magic are, are willing to part ways with, but maybe just needs to change the scenery like a, a Chuma OKK. And then if they want a first round pick, the magic owned Denver's 2025 first round pick, which in my opinion is essentially a second. So some, some magic fans think that's a, a bit too steep, but if I'm like, we're bringing this guy in with the 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 idea is to re-sign him and him to be a, a a maybe not a piece of the core but a complimentary piece that you think that you'll keep around for a few years. I'd be willing to give that up personally because I think it makes sense for the this season and helping the Magic make a push at you know the fourth, fifth, or or sixth seed or whatever. And if you can re-sign him, you know, that's a guy that can be a, a a pretty you know significant piece for years to come. Yeah, I I think. Listen, just hearing that, if that's the offer that that the magic or even I guess in your in this specific sense, you're willing to to give up for Tyus Jones, that would outbid me for what I'd be willing to to give for the Knicks uh to potentially get him as a backup point guard. And look right. he, for you guys a backup for us, I would I would start him immediately. So he would be your starter. You'd yes. be offering him a the starting point guard position, yeah. which obviously is different in what our our needs are at this point. And look, you you mentioned that like because you you bring him in and you have his bird rights, you can go and exceed the cap. And because this team, this Magic team, is really young, it's not that expensive at the moment. So I don't I don't fully um I don't fully disagree with the idea of going out and getting a Tyus. I'm I'm a fan of Tyus Jones. If it wasn't for the fact that the Knicks have to think in terms of beyond this year. I would have already, I, that would be the guy that I'd be like, this is perfect. He can, he's already played for Tibbs. He's already been a backup point guard for Tibbs. This would be perfect. And then, you know, obviously, like I said, there will be other suitors for him, which is why I think the, the Jordan Clarkson or the Malcolm Brogdon or the, which is funny. I, I keep bringing up Clarkson and Sexton. The Jazz might be buyers at this point. <laughs> They're 21 and 20. They're firmly in the Western playoff picture. So I may need to just adjust and not, not talk about them anymore. Um, so you mentioned that the Knicks are one of those teams that you're uh, afraid of, that you respect in this glut of teams around the Magic. At a certain point in the show, I like to turn over the the pod to my guests to see if they have questions or any specific thoughts about the Knicks that they'd like to give. So if you want to comment on the OG and Anobi trade, you can. But then, do you have any thoughts or questions about the the Knicks through this the thirty through thirty nine games this season so far? No, just looking at your guys, you know, schedule and sort of the way that it's broken down, you know, since that trade, you guys are what, like six and one, six and one in the move. I, I just want to know, like, do you all think that like this is sustainable and like how real is this like recent stretch of games that you all put together? So the defense, I absolutely think is sustainable. They're the best defense in the league. The the fact that the net rating is also the best the best in the league since the trade. I think some of that has to do with the schedule, like blowing out Portland, blowing out Washington. The the demolition of Philly got us in irrational places. I'll just <laughs> yeah. say that. When I've we beat there. Philly, when they beat Philly by 36 on the road, like Embiid at the peak of his powers, like Matt, they were healthy enough that we could overreact to it. Um, that's when it started to get a little like, oh, is this, are they going to the finals now? And so the magic, the, excuse me, the Mavericks game that just happened brought us all back down to earth to kind of see what's wrong with this team. Um, you say sustainable. The thing I think that's giving a lot of Knicks fans confidence, at least until the trade deadline, is that 12 of their next 14 are at home. Um, the two road games are Brooklyn, so they don't leave New York. And then Washington, who like, 
who cares? Like they'll probably be favored <laughs> by double digits anyway. So those being your only two road games for pretty much the next month has allowed Knicks fans to start to think they can, I don't even know if it's like build a cushion, but really start to to build up um, some winning ways. And, and at least over this 14 game stretch, like maybe you go 10 and four, 11 and three, and then you're looking up and you're the three seed at the end of it. Um, but I think the bigger takeaway is that this roster is still incomplete. Um, I think they're going to go out in the market for a point guard. I think the center position is interesting because Mitchell Robinson is has not been ruled out for the year. So maybe you get him back for the playoffs and he's your backup center, which my goodness, how much of an upgrade that would be as a backup center. So I think it's an incomplete team. But for the reason they made the trade being like, we need to we need to consolidate a bit and go get a, a, and boost the defense and that side of the ball. It's absolutely work. And I think that's sustainable. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to well, I'm, I'm waiting to see what it looks like Monday. Uh, I, I have a feeling, again, we're still going to be pretty depleted. But to, to see just how much the, the team has changed in that dynamic, because I don't, you know, I'm sure that you guys have had a, your fair share of people talking about RJ Barrett and and everything like that since the trade. But when like it was when RJ decided it was like it's RJ time, we were like, please, by all means, like, oh man, go go right ahead. So I'm I'm interested to see how that dynamic is has shifted uh, with the the new moves that you guys have made. I will say, OG Ananobi is not. I mean, maybe it's a good thing. He's not the offensive player RJ was in the sense that. Like he's he's a he's an off ball guy. Like he's not someone that can really create for himself in the moments we've seen him try. It hasn't really worked. But when you have good passers like Hartenstein, like Randall at times, like Brunson, we've actually seen him be show, show some a bit of a, of a passing skill that we didn't know how how good it may potentially be through the first year and a half. Um, he's finding OG on cuts, on wide open threes in the corner, and that's how he gets his points. And then just bringing this defensive impact that is unbelievably elite um, is where you you really see the benefit. It's fascinating. That was your thoughts about RJ Barrett because we there there's a portion of Knicks fans that would be like it's because of all these other things around him and it's not RJ's fault. And then there's a lot of us that were like, at a certain point, like you play ten thousand minutes, you are what you are, and it's why like he got off this really good start in in Toronto and then had a a four-point first half. Excuse me, a scoreless first half. And it was like, all right, yeah, that's kind of the RJ experience. There's going to be great moments at times, and then he's going to have some clunkers that, you know, remind you that he can be really inefficient. So, you know, we'll see what happens on the other side of it as things keep going. You know, do you have any other questions? No, that that that's really that's it. it? We're, okay. we're, we're so locked into the, to the magic over here. Like, I, a lot of times I lose touch with what is going on around the league. Like you do a much better job of, of knowing, you know, everything like the dynamic around the league that I do. So no, I'm just like, that was my question. As soon as you guys like started going on this run with OG, like, are, are they going to come back down to earth? Like, cause to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't like blown away, you know, by the trade. Cause I, I, I felt like the, what Toronto had been asking for OG over the last couple of seasons, it sort of overrated him. So I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but from your perspective, it seems like he's like the compliment, the perfect complimentary piece for what it is that you guys need. A guy that doesn't need to have the ball to be successful is making cuts, knocking down open threes, and then bringing that defensive impact that you guys need that I, I do think that RJ Barrett brought to a certain extent, but OG is definitely an upgrade there. So I was just like waiting like, Hey, like, is this really going to move the needle for the Knicks? And you guys keep winning and keep winning. I'm like, okay, are they going to come back down to earth? So that's what I was wondering, because if you guys are going to continue to play at that level, you mentioned the third seed. I, I don't think it's unreasonable that you guys continue to play at that level that you could you know, reach that third seed. So, you know, it's funny as far as the evaluation is concerned, just taking RJ out and putting OG Ananobi in their most used lineup is now their best lineup, which hasn't been true in the past. They're starting five. The thing you see at the beginning of each half is also your crunch time lineup is their best, most used as far as possessions and minutes. That lineup gets to play the most. And I think that's the biggest difference that we're seeing is that you kind of had to, like I said, you play, you survive the minutes with the starters. Sometimes they're a positive, sometimes they're a negative. And then the bench comes in and blitzes teams. And it's now worked the opposite that your starting five is now your best lineup, but 
the price you have to pay to do that is give up Emmanuel quickly, who was the, for my money, the best sixth man in the league could have been a starter. And you're seeing how good he is as a starter in Toronto. And it's why I think they're going to go out and get another ball handler. And it could be a point guard. It could be, I honestly think it'll be a point guard. Um, and then they'll just move Deuce to Deuce, Deuce McBride. He's been really good shooting 51% since joining the rotation um, from three, at least. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's an incomplete team, but I do think the ceiling has been raised since the trade, which, you know, we'll find out what that looks like over the next week or so. Yeah, that trade kind of threw a, a cog in, in some of my offseason hopes because I was like, Emmanuel, quickly, if the Magic were able to, you know, sign yeah. him and restrict the free agency this year, that would be a huge win for us because you, you you sort of alluded to it earlier, like that elusive other star that the Knicks are sort of always rumored to be signing or, or trading for or whatever. It's like, well, are they a team that is going to be able to afford to keep Emmanuel quickly if they're looking to make these other moves? And now that you know the the Raptors just gave up what they gave up to to get RJ Barrett and to get Emmanuel quickly, I'm sure that they're looking to to hang on to him and keep him. So that trade, as soon as that happened, we we're like, well, Emmanuel quickly is out the door. That's that's not happening for us anymore this season or this yeah. offseason. I look, I I think it would have fit perfectly with the Magic too, which was the part that stinks. You know, <laughs> don't like rub the, it in. Don't rub. I'm it just in. saying, like yeah, I loved. Yeah. Listen, that I think he penned this letter through the trip, the Players Tribune. Yeah. And just like, I'm sure you can uh, can understand this. Like, it's one thing to root for a basketball player for what they do on the court when you like also realize they're like a good person too. Yeah. And that that adds to it, you know? And I, I, it makes it much harder when those guys leave. Like, I think back to when we blew our team up a few years ago and, you know, trading Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls. I don't remember if you saw uh, that his first press conference, but he was asked about leaving the Magic. And at the time, Josh Robbins, who uh, now covers the Wizards for the Athletic, he was covering the Magic. And he jumped on that first Zoom call with all the Bulls reporters. And he said, you know, if any element of sadness exists, you know, leaving Orlando, like, could you express that? And the dude had to basically, like, stop the the press conference. He could not continue. He was he was in tears. And that that absolutely ripped our heart out. So um, I did read that uh, that piece, you know, in the the Players Tribune for Emmanuel quickly. So I'm sure it was the same for you all. Like knowing that a guy like really enjoyed like playing for your team and uh, not only appreciated playing for the 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 team, but for the city and the the fans and everything like that. And although he's excited about his next chapter and his next opportunity, you know, the the sadness of like, oh hey, like we didn't end up getting done what we wanted to get done. There is always a tough thing to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and it's the. Look, when when you draft a player, it, it's yeah. even more of an attachment because you get to see the growing pains and what they've become and 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 their development. And you know, I think it, it's it's caused a lot of Knicks fans to to have to, to kind of go through it over the last week and a half. And it helps that they're six and one since the trade. But yeah, winning helps. Like that, that heals everything somehow. Yeah. And it's funny how that works. But <laughs> um, you know, like, this is just the the nature of cover of watching a basketball team of following following sports is that you you appreciate the people that are part of the team um, and a part of the the journey that you're on. So um, we'll obviously see what happens up in Toronto. Um, I am curious as we, we two more questions before we get out of here. Um, the I, I hinted at the Mount Rushmore of rivals that I, I sent you ahead of time. I asked Kevin the last time he was here and this is something I ask everybody. So I mean, I'm assuming the Miami Heat are on this list. They'll just, just want to just say yes. one. It's the my, the local They're, team or the, the, the dirty, interstate rivalry. Freaking Heat is what the I dirty stinking to freaking Heat. I yep. co-sign that completely, yeah. sir. Uh, <laughs> but what are your four teams that you look forward to playing the most? That you consider the Magic's biggest rivals? So I don't look forward to playing any of these teams, to be honest, mm-hmm. because I hate them. And there's always that you know fear, especially the last decade, of like, hey, I hate this team. We're gonna lose to this team. We're gonna have to hear it from their fans, anyways. But my Mount Rushmore of, of Magic rivals, or I'll just call the teams that, that I really hate, the Heat are by far and away. Then I hate the Miami Heat more than any franchise you know, in any sport on the face of the earth. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've just been you know, much more successful. They came in in the league one year before the Magic, um, and they've been much more successful in their time in the league that we have, obviously, with the championships. Uh, the LeBron era grew a bunch of bandwagon fans throughout the the world and, and the country, but especially Central Florida. So whenever the Magic play the Heat for the last decade, there's tons of Heat fans in the building, so I cannot stand them. Next is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, with the Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes draft, I know Kevin talked about this, mm-hmm. but Toronto fans are some of the weirdest fans 
in the NBA, in my opinion. They just, whatever opportunity they can to crap on, not only Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs, but even Paolo Bancaro, they take any opportunity they can. It doesn't matter. Like Paolo Bancaro can have a 42-point game. He can have a triple-double. The night that he misses the, the game winner a couple of nights ago, they let us hear all about that. So Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, uh, the Lakers are definitely up there just given the history that we have with losing you know, Shaq to the Lakers, Dwight being traded to the Lakers. People already make jokes that like, oh, Paolo Bancaro is just going to eventually lose for the leave for the Lakers. Mm. So the Lakers are definitely up there. And then, no offense to present company, but the Knicks. And the reason being, the last decade, the Magic have been very bad. Anytime the Knicks come to town, Knicks fans, you know, all over the place, they travel very, very well. I knew and it. And those freaking let's go Knicks <laughs> chants. So two seasons ago, our home opener was against the Knicks. I was at that game with our producer, Kevin, and we sat on the baseline that is closer to the Knicks bench. So, of course, tons of Knicks fans, they want to be there. And the Star J chants and the Obi Toppin chants and all that kind of stuff and the let's go Knicks chants. It was legitimately probably the least fun magic game I've ever been at. So you no, know, the reason is nobody wants the opposing team's fans to come into the building and sort of take over. When I'm at magic games, I come with a voice. I leave with no voice. Just mm. like the guys, I leave it all on the floor. I leave it all in the stands for my Orlando magic. And the fact that there's you know maybe three or 4,000 Knicks fans in attendance and the other 12 to 14 thousand magic fans can't be loud enough to drown out these Knicks fans. It just drives me crazy. It's been a problem that I've had with magic fans at magic games for 10 plus years. It's starting to change. Like the, you know, when the, the, the uh, heat were here a couple of weeks ago, you heard them a little bit, you know, in the third quarter, the let's go heat chance, but whether, whether it's the 76ers or the Celtics or the heat magic fans this year have been pretty good about drowning those chants out when they've started. Uh, but it's just left a sour taste in my mouth you know, over the years. I've been at far too many games hearing, let's go Celtics, let's go Knicks, let's go Warriors, let's go Heat, and let's go Lakers, and so on and so forth. So that just always really irritates me. So the, I mean, you, you're hitting... But I you, love you. You're great. You're oh, great. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I, I I mean, I would would be as loud if I was there, I promise you. But I, yeah. I understand the invasion of your building that can occur, which I don't know if this makes you feel better, but Knicks fans do it to Atlanta. Knicks fans do it to Charlotte. Like, nobody does it. it to the Knicks. That's the thing. No, no, nobody well, does it to the Knicks. I mean, it comes with the territory. Like, right. It, I get it. It's coming to the Big Apple. Like, I get and it. And I will yeah. say, I will say, if it makes you feel... No, this wouldn't make you feel any better. There <laughs> were some let's go heat chants in the Garden in last That's year gross. for game one when the Knicks, the, the game was ending and the Heat were on the verge of winning game one. Um, That's gross. Yeah, I listen, we share the Heat as far as the hatred yeah. is concerned and I understand obviously the, the Toronto one is, is fascinating and obviously the Toronto's, be, I don't know if they're a rival at this point, but they're a team I circle now. Like next, This Saturday, actually, the Toronto Raptors come to Madison Square Garden for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly's first games as, as visitors at MSG. Um, I, look, I. What do you think that'll be like? What's the reception going to be? Oh, they'll be absolutely positive. They were even even RJ with warts and all like was a beloved Nick by I would say the the vocal majority of of Knicks fans. I think Emmanuel Quickly even more so. Um, that will be a an emotional night, but I think an overall like, all right, you're, this is a positive and now we got to kick your butt. Like that's, yeah. that, that's, I think going to be the, the, the nature of how that game goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could tell you that's going to ever change, but I'm sure you know this from being down there. There's a lot of New Yorkers that now live in Florida. So that's a, that's unfortunately a transplant issue more than it is a, a Knicks fans in Orlando issue. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You bring up the Lakers and how Shaq left for uh, Orlando. I left for LA and obviously, so I only know this secondhand from like talking to, to Magic fans like yourselves and 
um uh, the, the the 30 for 30 this uh the was it this magic moment or one yeah. magic moment you're very good uh, at these segues by the way i know where thank this is you. going very thank good thank you this, yeah. well so Shaq leaving orlando i know it left on 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 bad terms but that documentary it seemed to be like was healing to an extent and i have to think that now he's going to be the first ever orlando magic player to have his number retired by the franchise is the ultimate hint of closure that like one of the greatest centers ever one of the greatest players ever the in my money the best player to get drafted by the orlando magic will now you know break the ice and be the the first number in the rafters so what was your your reaction is it similar to what I, mine was when when I saw the news that that Shaq's going to be the first to get his number retired? So it was it was a, it wasn't so much of a shock because he on his own podcast a few weeks prior had just sort of in in passing mentioned that oh I'm going to be the first jersey retired in Orlando Magic history and Shaq says things sometimes just to say things, but that felt a little bit different. It was like so matter of fact, and then we started putting the the, the puzzle pieces together. It's like. Well, it's the 35th anniversary season. They're t- the TNT game on February 13th. We're going to be wearing like the classic edition jerseys that night. Like everything sort of seemed to be lining up. So when the news came, we we're like, "Wow, this is like actually happening." We weren't completely shocked, but it was like, "Okay, like we're we're really doing this because for the longest time, uh, you know, ownership and like uh, upper management, like above, like president of basketball ops and and so on and so forth, that talked about how." there was this criteria that they had written down on a list and they had put in a drawer somewhere in the arena that no player had, had matched that criteria to that point. And when you looked at it, it was like, Oh, well, Shaq is obviously one of the best players ever. He's a, he was a hall of famer, took the team to the finals. He was a four time all-star in his time here as a rookie. He finished seventh in MVP voting. Like what kind of criteria are we talking about? And the only things that hadn't been accomplished was we have never had a player win league MVP. And we've never had a, a, a championship team. Like no player in franchise history has won a championship. So we're like, if somebody wins a title, like the best player from that title team is going to be the first guy to get his jersey retired. So now all of a sudden they're breaking away from that criteria and, and Shaq is going to be the, the first guy to, to be retired. Number one, absolutely for a lot of the reasons that I just mentioned, deserves to have his jersey retired. Like there are plenty of statistics. The guy hasn't played for the franchise in almost 30 years. He's still top 10 or top six in a ton of different categories in magic history. So absolutely deserves it. I I sort of compare it to like, you know, that friend that you've known your entire life. You guys grew up together. And that one time he did something to you that like really did you wrong. And you spend some time apart, but you're like, look, this isn't worth throwing this entire friendship away for. So you don't necessarily forget what he did, but you decide to, to get over it and remember the good times anyways. That's what it is with Shaq. Like sure, the breakup was messy, and 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 Magic fans like we we don't we're, we're not blind to the fact that there were fault on on both parties. You know, Shaq and the Magic, uh, the negotiating definitely could have went a, a bit better. And some people may not know this, but that negotiation period happened in the only window in the history of the collective bargaining agreement where there was no such thing as restricted free agency. Yeah. Everybody was an unrestricted free agent, so the, it, it wasn't like the Magic could match. The offer that LA like had it been Emmanuel quickly, not saying Emmanuel quickly is Shaquille O'Neal, but had it been Emmanuel quickly, you know the Raptors or whoever would be able to to match that deal and keep their guy. So that's what happened with with Shaq. The one thing that I I don't know that Kevin talked to you about this, but we thought the first guy should be Nick Anderson. He did. He said that the Magic Truthers would say Nick Anderson should be the first. That is correct. The guy all time leader in in games played. Played 10 seasons with the Magic. Uh, he's spent the last 17 years as a community ambassador. He's at every Orlando Magic home game, you know, shaking hands, taking pictures, signing autographs, all that kind of stuff. He comes out to Magic watch parties. Like we had a watch party Friday night when we played the Heat. Nick Anderson was was at the watch party, chopping it up with Magic fans. And, and I walked right up to him. I shook his hand. I said, I'm happy for the big fella, but you should have been first. And we're going to keep beating the table that eventually Nick Anderson's uh, you know, jersey should be in the rafters. But as it pertains to Shaq, it's time. It's well-deserved. I'm happy that we're you know, ripping the Band-Aid off, so to speak, and, and putting his jersey in the rafters because he absolutely deserves it. Super excited for that night. Who else after Nick Anderson? After Nick Anderson? Uh, well, so this is the thing now. This is the thing that, that really rubs me the wrong way. 
mm-hmm. is Orlando Magic CEO Alex Martins, the day after the announcement was made, goes on local Orlando Magic, uh, you know, sports talk radio. And he said, well, one of the key criteria to having your jersey retired by the Orlando Magic is going to be the fact that you have to be a pro basketball Hall of Famer. Well, that excludes Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson's mm. never going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then Penny Hardaway, who is on the ballot this year. We'll find out in a couple of weeks if he's going to be a finalist for this year to go into the Hall of Fame. But what if Penny Hardaway doesn't get into the Hall of Fame? You're just never going to retire Penny Hardaway's jersey? Like, that's that's ridiculous. When people say Shaq, it's almost Shaq and, and Penny. Penny. Yeah. Like those names are, are just so you know uh, forever linked together. So for me, it would be Nick Anderson, Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, Dwight Howard, and this might not be popular, but I put Nikola Vucevic's uh, number nine up in the rafters. Uh, franchise leader in field goals made. You know, played there for nine years. Uh, just a, a a great guy. Like I, I can't say enough good things about Nikola Vucevic, and the, and the, you could tell that guy wanted to be here forever. Uh, he was on our show last year. He was still a Chicago Bull, and I asked him, "Would you ever want to, you know, come back and finish your career in Orlando?" And the guy couldn't say yes quick enough. So like a guy that is just so beloved by fans in the way that uh, Nikola Vucevic is, uh, those would be the guys that I would have up in the Raptors next. Is that in play? Like he's a free agent this season. I I don't think so. I I don't think it is uh, just yet. Um, I know he was a, is he a free agent? Cause I know he just resigned with the bulls. Oh, it might uh, be a one, but it might, you're right. You're right. You're right. I remember so he's, he's a part of the away. conversation is that he might be able to, I know he's available in trade talks. So I don't know if that's because that, he's potentially a free agent. So I'm going to look it up now. That would have been the biggest heist in the history of the league. If we traded Nikola Vucevic for what ended up being Franz <laughs> Wagner and Wendell Carter jr. And then the second, the guy, he's a free agent. He comes back to Orlando. Mm-hmm. That would have been the greatest you know, transaction in the, the history of the NBA. But I would love eventually for that guy to come back and be a, you know, if he's our backup center, you know, when, when we're contending, I would love m- nothing more than that for the guy to eventually retire here. Yeah, just signed three for 60. So he's got, two he's got a little years bit of time after this. Year. Come yeah. Back. Yeah, 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 just a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Um, you, I, I know we talked about how you're a Giants fan, a football Giants fan. Are you, yes. do you follow baseball at all? I do. I'm a Yankees fan. So you're a Yankee fan. I know I'm we might have talked about this last time too, but yeah. So it's the Eraldis Chapman. Like you trade him to the Cubs, they win their title, but you get Torres, <laughs> then you just sign Chapman in the offseason. And right. it's like, so like you got what you wanted, and then we get him back anyway, and the prospect that unfortunately it didn't work out quite the way we while. wanted to with that that second stint with Chapman. But yeah, it, it is similar to that. Yeah. Listen, we have different standards as a Mets fan. Like you when you're that good a closer, I understand what you the memory of Chapman with the Yankees is right. the walk-off home runs by yes. well, the playoff home runs that he gave up. By the Astros, yeah. Yeah, by the Astros. <laughs> I, I I get it. I'm just saying, like, the fact that you were in those moments means Correct. there are levels. To, to disappointment. Trust me, as someone still paying for Max Scherzer's contract, there are levels to this. Um, well, look, I, I I know the name of your show, the Sixth Man Show, is because the one number that was retired was six because the Magic fans are the sixth man. So, was there any thought of like we're the the six plus one show? Like, I I know it, it, it doesn't make sense, but. Like this, I guess the spirit of the show actually works because you guys are making effort to try and get Nick Anderson's number. But you know, what is that like now that it's technically like there's going to be a second number retired? Well, so I think it just still kind of works out because like six is still retired for the fans, so it really still works out for us. It, we always just brought up that talking point as like a hey, isn't it ridiculous that six is the only jersey retired in Orlando Magic history when you've had guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady and so on and so forth. So that was always sort of just like, hey, like, by the way, we're annoyed about this. Oh, and also this is why we named our show that. So the fact that there's another jersey up there (laughs) doesn't bother us at all. We've been begging for that for a few years now. Um, But yeah, six is still retired. Now, if they unretire six for whatever reason, (laughs) then we're going to have some real issues. That's a problem. That's a problem. But, But for now, we're okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I again, the the moment I saw it, I thought to DM all you guys. Well, we thought that was really cool. We thought yeah, that was really cool that you that did you that. guys were like that. The, the, the again, the first thing I, I didn't know that that's why it was called Sixth Man. And then you guys enlightened me. Like one of my favorite pieces of like useless NBA trivia is that the Magic are one of the three teams that 
didn't have a number retired. And I was like, man, there's like candidates for that too. So I hope this, listen, as a Mets fan who just got bought by Steve Cohen and like, he's just retiring everybody's number. Like we had two numbers retired for most of my life. And now it's like, all right, Keith, Willie Mays, Doc, Daryl. I would be shocked if there's just like as many numbers as Monument Park up at City Field. In the How do you feel future. about that though? That they're retiring so, all these jerseys now. What's funny is like you, you said that there was like an adjustment at first that like it used to be none. And now that the band-aids ripped off, now you're like, okay, well, is the criteria different? Um, I, l- l- the Mets don't have a ton of success in their franchise. I'm sure like I can't relate to that as a Yankee fan, but like, I, I like remember se- the the championships that I was alive for. I know everybody mm-hmm. talks about the 27 and, and so on and so forth, but like the only championship that I can like cognitively remember is 2009. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't talk trash to my friends that are Mets fans until they start, you know, because you guys have, you know, the last couple of years have had, had some I genuinely hate that. Well, okay, I don't hate the Yankees. I just like, I can be that talkative Mets fan. But it's very right. I, it's from the perspective of little brother. Like I'm right. teasing my big brother because I know your standards are unreasonable. You know, that's and how so, we are with the heat. So I, I totally can relate to that. You get it. Exactly. Um, you know what I can't do, Jonathan? Reflect on the championships I was alive for. <laughs> I, unfortunately, they haven't won since 86 and I was born in 88. So I can't I don't have that that recollection uh, recollection ability. So um for a while, it was like the two Hall of Famers, Piazza and Seaver, were the only ones that got it retired. David Wright was going to be a fascinating one. And then like the last day that Will Ponds owned the team, they retired Jerry Kuzman. And I was like, oh, well, that changes things because he won a championship with the Mets. But if you're just going to start retiring champions, then we now need to go to the 80s and get more 86 Mets up there. Then Steve Cohen bought the team. and. In like four years, three more guys have gotten their numbers retired. So I wonder if this is just going to be a flurry of, of things. I personally don't mind it. I like reflecting on history, especially when you have a limited history in, with the Mets. Um, but we'll see. To the Knicks fans that completely tuned out because we started talking baseball, I don't care. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I hope you. I hope cool. you found. I hope you found this educational to an extent. Um, well, I will be tuning in whether it's on League Pass or whether it's on national. You said it. Is it on national TV when Shaq it's gets on TNT retired? that night? It's, it's on, on TNT. TNT. Yeah, which that is makes sense. Really that they would cool put it on TNT. To, yeah. to give our, ourselves a, a shameless plug because that's the first nationally televised home game that the Magic have had in the regular season in a decade. When the schedule came out, we knew that we had that game. I think we have like 200 Magic fans that are coming to the game like with our group. So it was like awesome. Like it's us versus OKC. Like one of the best young teams in the West, one of the best young teams in the East. This is going to be a great time. And now the fact that we're all going to be there for the the Jersey retirement for Shaq just makes that night really, really cool. So like we cannot wait for that. So you know what's funny? You know what happens the next day, right? Oh yeah, we have the Knicks at home. They play yeah. the Knicks. It'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be talking to you or one of you guys, but right yeah. right before that ceremony happens, uh, <laughs> cool. so we can preview the the next day on Valentine's Day when the Knicks play the the Magic down in Orlando. Um, well, Jonathan, thank you so much as always for joining me. It's always great to connect with you. Uh, I I'm a fan of the Six Man Show. It's well done. You guys are great and interacting. And as someone who covers a team that is not as inviting to local fans and media that it's impossible to get any type of access or credentials. I, I live through you guys and how much the magic work with you and embrace uh, you guys as content creators. So congratulations on everything. And obviously with this, Thank this you. new chapter with retired numbers, before you get out of here, please tell the fine folks at home where they can find you and all of your stuff. Yeah, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you and and thank you to the whole, you know, KFS team for having us on. We're not Knicks fans, but we are fans of a Knicks film school. So appreciate mm. you guys and everything that you guys do. And uh, we appreciate you guys always having us on. It's always a lot of fun to talk to you, to you guys, to you especially. And we're really, really fortunate, you know, for the the Magic's communications team that they have been so friendly to, you know, like blogs and, you know, fan podcasts and everything like that. We don't take that for granted because we know that it's it's not uh, like a, it's not common around the league, like whatsoever. So we feel uh, incredibly grateful for that and all the experiences that we get to have and events that we get to have. So um, really, really appreciate you shouting that out. But yeah, we're on uh, YouTube, obviously, youtube.com slash the six man show, all over social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, all that kind of stuff at six man show. 
And yeah, appreciate always uh, talking with you, Andrew. Good luck, you know, tomorrow on MLK Day. And um, maybe we'll see you guys in the playoffs this year. I don't know. Maybe if you guys are four, we're five. Nice little first round matchup might be unlikely for us, but I don't feel like it's completely out of the conversation. Um, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I, playoff games with Knicks fans in Orlando. I don't know how that would go. I was about I to ask, do you about want that? that when the Knicks, know, you talk man. about Knicks fans invading buildings? What you when, wish for, right? <laughs> I was about to say. Maybe it would be know. fun. Who knows? But who knows? Appreciate yeah. everything that you guys do, man. Always good talking to you. Really, really appreciate having us on. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Andrew. Once again, a big thank you to Jonathan for coming on today's show, helping me preview this matchup on Monday against the Magic. I just, they do such good work over there, guys. They should be your number one place to go for Orlando Magic news and podcasts and reactions. They're, they're, they're on par with the quality that I strive for. Like, producer Kevin does a great job over there. Uh, so shout out to the, the six-man show and, of course, to Jonathan for coming on. Um, even a Yankee fan, I, I still enjoyed our conversation today. As far as I'm concerned, I'll be back Wednesday morning with another episode uh, previewing the matchup against the Rockets. Some programming notes, uh, Mensa and XJ will be hosting a post-game show um, on Monday after the, the Magic game. Mensa has been, my goodness, like scouting the Magic all year because he wanted the Knicks to trade for Jalen Suggs. And XJ lives in Florida, he, so he's surrounded by Magic fans all day, every day. So we put the two uh, Magic experts on the post-game show. So that'll be, of course, after the matinee game on Monday. Uh, and until next time... Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game today, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace.